The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This hour of the Costa Report is brought to you by Dole Food Company, the world's leading producer and distributor of fresh fruits and vegetables. I'm Rebecca Costin. Thank you for joining me for another two hours of Straight Talk Radio. If you're a member of our armed forces joining us over the Internet today, let me take a moment to welcome you to the program, especially those of you serving abroad in our far from home. And let me also give a shout out to new listeners who are tuning in from coast to coast now in every state of the union. Thank you for making us part of your Newsweek. In just a moment, the popular anchor of Special Report, Mr. Brett Baer, will be joining us to talk about how the transition of power is going between President Obama and Trump. Baer has a new book out which chronicles Eisenhower's final days and the passing of the baton to Kennedy, a handoff that was largely different than the one we see transpiring today. And what better time to take a look at these transitions as preparations are being made for one of the most controversial inaugurations we've seen in modern politics. But before Mr. Baer joins us, as is my custom each week, let me tell you a little about his background. William Brett Baer was born in New Jersey and is a graduate of DePauw University. His television career began at a local station in Rockford, Illinois, and from here he went on to report for WRAL-TV, WREX, and WJWJ. He was hired by Fox News in 1998 to work in their Atlanta bureau, but... After covering the Pentagon attack on 9-11, he remained Fox's Pentagon correspondent, traveling frequently to Afghanistan and Iraq. Baer became Fox's White House correspondent in 2006 and a year later was named Britt Hume's replacement on the popular news program Special Report. In addition to co-anchoring the presidential debates for Fox, Bear has found time to author two best-selling books, and he works tirelessly raising money for children who require special surgery and medical treatments. It's my pleasure to welcome to the Costa Report, anchor of Special Report, Mr. Brett Bear. Thank you for joining us today, Mr. Bear. Thank you for having me. Well, first, let me congratulate you on your new book and also the timing of the book. Your book, titled Three Days in January, documents the steps President Eisenhower took to ensure a successful transition to Kennedy in the days leading up to Kennedy's inauguration. So let me start by asking you to compare that transition to the one you see taking place between Obama and Trump. Well, you know, Rebecca, the book starts with President-elect Kennedy meeting President Eisenhower after Kennedy wins the election in 1960. And we go into the narrative of that meeting, their first meeting at the White House. And then the book ends with President-elect Trump meeting President Obama at the White House. And we have some background of that meeting uh, that we remember seeing the video of. There are many differences, obviously, in the times and the issues, but there are also some similarities. It was a dangerous time when Eisenhower was handing over to Kennedy. The threat of nuclear war, the expansion of communism, uh, a bold Soviet Union uh, was very present. Bipartisanship was a concern and something that Eisenhower really wanted to focus on in his farewell address. He wanted to make sure that he laid a roadmap for America, not just talk about his accomplishments in office in eight years, but really talk about the warnings and the way forward. So that's the three days, January 17th is when he delivers the farewell address, January 20th, obviously, when Kennedy delivers his inauguration and is sworn in as president. 
Well, I'm glad you point out some of the similarities between these transitions. But clearly, Eisenhower had a record of crossing party lines. He had a good relationship uh, with the Democratic Party, whereas the current administration doesn't have that benefit going into the transition. So how's that affecting Trump's ability to hit the decks running? Well, that's a great question. I think um, everything we've heard, Rebecca, is that the, the transition logistically with the agencies uh, communication between the Obama administration and the Trump transition team has been uh, pretty good, pretty solid. The president said, has said, President Obama has said numerous times that he wanted a smooth transition, much like he got from George W. Bush uh, when he took over in 2009. The president reiterated that in his farewell address uh, just the other night. Um, Interestingly, my book launched about this farewell address on the night that President Obama delivered his farewell address. Uh, I, I think th- there's a want for a smooth transition, but some of the things that obviously have been said and the concern over Russia and um, how both teams are dealing with that is a, a sticking point as we head to, uh, to next week. Yeah, but let's get down to brass tacks here. Kennedy so valued Eisenhower's counsel his judgment, his military experience, that he felt perfectly comfortable reaching out to Eisenhower uh, during the Cuban Missile Crisis. Isn't that right? Well, Kennedy was at first, he, he respected Eisenhower, obviously, but he, um, he, he didn't think he, he knew everything. And when the Kennedy, according to the Eisenhower take on it, when Kennedy came in, um, you know, he thought that decisions could be made with a few advisors and the president himself. Eisenhower's warning to Kennedy at the time was, I have this apparatus set up, this national security apparatus for dissenting views to be uh, talked about before decisions are made, a cautious, balanced approach that he had set up in the structure of the National Security Council. Kennedy doesn't think you need all that and thinks it's a little onerous and bureaucratic and comes into office and and dismantles it. the Cuban Missile Crisis, you're right, happens early, very early in Kennedy's administration. He calls it a disaster. It obviously was a failed operation. But the first person he does call is former President Eisenhower. And the, he flies him to Camp David. And the iconic image on the front of the book is Kennedy and Eisenhower walking up the path at Camp David. And Kennedy turns to Eisenhower and says, you know, you really don't know how tough this job is until you're in it. And Eisenhower turns to Kennedy and smiles and says, Mr. President, with all due respect, I think I told you this three months ago. Mm -hmm. Yes, but I guess my point is I don't see Trump seeking counsel from Obama in any situation, which is which is a shame. I'm sure you took some advice from Brit Hume, uh, you know, and I've taken advice from people that whose jobs I've filled. Uh, It's a great advantage. Well, I don't think we fully know how many times and how extensive the conversations have been between Donald Trump and President Obama. Uh, they have talked numerous times uh, since that first meeting in in the White House, in the Oval Office. They've talked on the phone, and um, it has been both Donald Trump reaching out and President Obama reaching out. Uh, his, he's obviously getting intelligence briefs. Uh, Donald Trump is. And, you know, that's controversial as well. He hasn't taken every one. Uh, Eisenhower would advise, learn as much as you can. I, I don't think we fully, Rebecca, yet know the extent of the conversations. The White House has been kind of um, guarded in uh, reading those out. But there have been many more than have been talked about. And how about the cabinet picks? Are, are they getting uh, sufficient White House briefings even before confirmation? Yeah, they have teams at each um, each agency that uh, the Trump transition sends into the agency, and the agency has a team uh, designed to deal directly with them. Um, a lot of the cabinet picks have a history of, of knowing a, a little bit about the place that they're going. Some of them don't. Um, General Jim Mattis, who's up for confirmation uh, today, uh, obviously knows the ins and outs of the Pentagon, a place that I covered for six and a half years, and is well-respected uh, in the military and up on Capitol Hill. Rex Tillerson, um, the nominee for Secretary of State, uh, doesn't have a lot of 
bureaucratic State Department knowledge, however, has a lot of world knowledge uh, as uh, CEO of Exxon and traveling the world and dealing with those those deals. A similarity with Eisenhower. When he came in, he had what they called eight millionaires and a plumber. <laughs> businessmen and the head of the plumbing association as his labor secretary. Well, there you go. We have to take our first break, but stay where you are. We'll be right back with more from Brett Baer. You're listening to the Costa Report. Hi, I'm Joan London. If you're worried about your parent or loved one living alone, like I was, and you want reliable senior care information, then call a place for mom, the nation's largest senior living referral service. Finding an apartment that was on the courtyard with the view of the trees, the view of the ducks, the stream, the creek, all of that, that was what I needed. You'll get free information on assisted living, Alzheimer's care, nursing homes, even important financial information. Here's the number. To speak with a local senior living advisor, call a place for mom at 800-451-2976. That's 800-451-2976. A place for mom is a free service, and you can trust them to help you. So if you're struggling to find reliable senior living information, there's a place for answers, a place for mom. To speak with a local senior living advisor, call a place for mom at 800-451-2976. That's 800-451-2976. Hi, I'm Amy Tobin, cookbook author and culinary expert. Strawberries, blueberries, blackberries, and raspberries. Dole has a bounty of berries ripe for the picking. Fresh berries are not only delicious, but some of the most powerful disease-fighting foods available. Researchers have found that berries have some of the highest antioxidant levels of any fresh fruits. So add a handful or two of your favorite berries to your next meal and enjoy their nutritional benefits and natural sweetness in all of your dishes, from salads to desserts and everything in between. For fresh tips and ideas from Dole's berry experts, visit berries.dole.com. And be sure to check out the pages of mouth-watering recipes. Whether it's a sweet and savory blueberry-cranberry chicken salad or a simple strawberry sorbet, Dole has the perfect berry to inspire your next berrylicious dish. This is Alan Lundell, a.k.a. Dr. Future on KSEO Radio. Ten years ago, we bought a house out in Boulder Creek. It was a gamble because we love to be around bandwidth and power. We found the perfect house with incredible view, but no bandwidth or power. I was very despondent. I was reading Wired, and I ran across this uh, Silicon Valley executive who lived in the Santa Cruz Mountains, and he claimed he had bandwidth. He was getting service from some group called Etheric Networks. So I gave him a call. Etheric put a dish on our roof, and boom, we suddenly had amazing bandwidth. It's been 10 years now. We've been very, very happy with their service. KSCO Residential Special. Residential service up to 10 megabits per second. Symmetric. That's up and down for $85 a month and $199 installation. With guaranteed minimum speeds and uptime, unlike our competitors. Etheric Networks. Call 650-399-4200. That's 650-399-4200. Etheric.net. That's E-T-H-E-R-I-C dot net. Recently on Good Morning Monterey Bay, our throwback ad is the inappropriate Chinese baby jello ad. Back to present ancient Chinese pantomime, just for fun of it, jello tonight. Small Chinese Thai baby, Chinese mother bling baby, jello. Yeah, it's visual, but he was using chopsticks to eat the jello. When do Chinese babies learn to use chopsticks? Is it pretty early? I would think from the get-go is... From the get-go, like breastfeeding? No, no. (laughs) That'd be weird, wouldn't it? Start picking at mom? (laughs) Yes, it would be weird. (laughs) Have to watch out for splinters. You know he's hungry because he's rubbing them together to get the splinters off? <laughs> we'll come back. Yeah, traffic now, Highway 1. Don't miss Good Morning Monterey Bay, 6 to 9, Monday through Friday on KSCO.
Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and my guest today is the popular host of Fox's special report by uh, Brett Baer. And before the break, we were talking about how the transition is going between President Obama and President-elect Trump. Now, another interesting aspect of the transition between Eisenhower and Kennedy that you mentioned was the fact that Eisenhower had grave concerns over Russian aggression and felt it was very important to impress Kennedy with those concerns. And similarly, Obama and the intelligence community appear to be trying to convince Trump that Russia is aggressing in cyberspace. Uh, Do you think this is a case where Trump may be wise to err on the side of caution? Well, I think you're starting to see that uh, turn in the news conference yesterday, which obviously got fiery at times. Uh, (laughs) The president-elect said uh, he said that uh, he did believe Russia was behind the hacking around the U.S. election. Uh, that's something that he hadn't said before. Obviously, um, he'd been expressing himself on Twitter about various elements of this story. I think um, more importantly, perhaps, Rebecca, is what the people in key positions are saying. Uh, Mike Pompeo, who is the CIA nominee up for confirmation today, uh, said that he believes the response to Russia for that hacking should be as uh, serious and as uh, stiff and uh, robust as the U.S. can come up with. You have Jim Mattis, General Jim Mattis, who is saying something similar. And the man that uh, Donald Trump has chosen for National Intelligence Director, former Indiana Senator Dan Coats, is very, very outspoken about the threat from Russia. In fact, so much so that Russia banned him from traveling to Moscow in 2013. So, Trump is surrounding himself with people who seem wide-eyed about the threat uh, from Vladimir Putin. Yet, on the other hand, he, you know, Trump typically just jumps the gun and says, eh, "I don't, I don't agree with our intelligence committee," even before uh, he gets a briefing from that community. Yeah, I mean, obviously, he has said things and tweeted things that have uh, raised some eyebrows. Uh, definitely in the intelligence circles. Um, some people took offense and thought he was, um, you know, uh, ripping on the intelligence community. He came out and said, uh, I want to be clear that I think that the politicization has happened at the top of the intelligence community at the, and the men and women working in intel um, are hardworking, you know, trying to keep us safe. So I think he's trying to walk a line here, but clearly he said some provocative things. Uh, challenging um, the overall assessments. Well, let's talk about that politicization. Um, In Eisenhower's presidential farewell address, uh, he used that address to warn about the undue influence by military-industrial complex. Those were the words that he used, which was very ironic since he owed a large part of his career and ascension to the White House to that to the military. <laughs> yeah. So uh, how, how did you feel about uh, Obama's address? Was there a big warning in there? Well, there were some warnings in there, clearly. But let me just go back to the military-industrial complex. Eisenhower worked on this farewell address for about a year and a half, almost two years, and wanted to get these messages down from his time as, as general um, and his time in office. He originally wanted to call it the military-industrial-scientific-congressional complex. Um, you know, it may have been too complex uh, to say, but he didn't want to say the congressional part because it was pretty pointed to lawmakers. He believed that the companies that had turned their, um, their companies around to support the war effort had then really just created this industry, and he got really livid when he saw ads for missiles in Life magazine and some of the uh, the other magazines that would uh, that families would see, uh, and he believed that this was tentacles into uh, the body politic of America, lobbyists supporting lawmakers, some of the people in government leaving, and then heading up these companies. So he wanted to put that warning on there. Also warned about deficits, though, and deficit spending and mortgaging our children's future. And he talked about bipartisanship. Now, President Obama, in his farewell address. He he spent a lot more time um, defending and and touting, obviously, the things that uh, he lists as major successes. Uh, And clearly, there were successes in the Obama presidency, the bin Laden killing, uh, saving the country from going off the cliff in the recession. 
Um, but then he ticked down uh, a number of things that he thinks are warnings about unity and bipartisanship as well. He talked a lot more in flowery language. Uh, Eisenhower never um, was, was one to speak like that. It was a different kind of speech, uh, but had some warnings and some optimism for the future. You know, in taking a look at Eisenhower's uh, farewell speech, which I did uh, preparing for this interview, you know, I, I, I couldn't help but feel like we could read that speech today. Exactly. It is Isn't very that just, I mean, did that, did that just sort of uh, disturb you? <laughs> that you could it have is. handed that speech to Obama today and said, just read this over again? Definitely. I mean, the fact that, you know, he was a, a whistleblower. Here is a guy who was obviously headed up the war effort as the general in charge of World War II. Um, he was a man of war who craved peace and warned about uh, getting involved overseas uh, and, and also said, you know, if we do, we need to win. Uh, you take the line about the military-industrial complex, uh, Rebecca, and you replace the communism reference and you stick in radical Islamic jihad uh, and terrorism. And frankly, this speech holds. And that's why uh, when I looked at this and I went out to Abilene, Kansas, to the Eisenhower Library, they said, you know, this transition and this speech has not really been focused on. And we found oral histories and nuggets and new uh, letters and people describing even Eisenhower's own voice that hadn't been tapped. And we used this narrative of these three days in this speech to put breath into, breathe life into that moment and then jump back and look at Eisenhower's life as a general and a president. But I, when I looked at the key points he was making, the danger of lobbyists and uh, big business, particularly defense contractors, having undue influence on Congress and lawmakers, the danger of getting involved in foreign wars where we don't really have true justification or reason to be there, the the danger of deficit spending, the, the key things he highlighted are worse today than they ever were during his time. Yeah, I mean, the, deficit, the debt at that point was about $100 billion. Uh, you know, now we're at $20 trillion. And what he was saying at that time really strikes home today. The bipartisanship is a key point, and he spends a lot of time in this speech talking about that. Remember that Eisenhower took office in uh, 1953, and he had both chambers of Cong Congress as Republicans, much like President Trump will. But two years later, he lost control, his party did, of both chambers of Congress, and they went to the Democrats. Eisenhower did his biggest piece of legislation, the National Highway Act that set up the interstate system that we ride on today, with bipartisan support from yes, Sam Rayburn, did. a Democrat in the House, and Lyndon Johnson, the Senate Majority Leader. And and I loved the fact that his most important legislation came in a bipartisan uh, Congress. Uh, you know, I, I got to hope Donald Trump reads this book, but uh, you just never know. We have to take another commercial break. Stay tuned. We'll be back after these important messages. You're listening to the Costa Report. Are you struggling with addiction or alcohol problems? If you're depressed, drinking, and using drugs, you may need help. And the Affordable Care Act guarantees coverage of substance abuse. I knew I could get myself out of this. I just needed some hope and some help. I took the first step to recovery when I made the call. Call the Addiction Hope and Helpline now for a free assessment with someone who cares. Call 800-962-6969. 800-962-6969. I feel like I'm losing control. I'm afraid I'll lose my job or even my family. Call now for hope and help with proven, gentle recovery programs. I never thought that I could be somebody who didn't drink and use drugs. I'm in recovery, getting the help I need. Call the Addiction Hope and Helpline now for a free assessment with someone who cares. Call 800-962-6969. 800-962-6969. 800-962-6969. Healthcare that fits your Santa Cruz lifestyle. That's why Dignity Health Dominican Hospital and Dignity Health Medical Group Dominican work with you to make personal choices regarding your health. 
It's the type of care we can offer because we're more than just a hospital and medical group. We're part of this community. Visit dominicanhospital.org to find a doctor and start living healthy today. Dignity Health. Hello, human kindness. Hi, registered pharmacist Ben Fuchs here. I've been studying healthy bodies for 35 years, and what I've got to tell you may shock and surprise you, but if you listen up, it may change your life. The symptoms of PCOS, which stands for polycystic ovarian syndrome, are caused by the many cysts which produce lots of both male and female hormones. Excessive production of female hormones are associated with bad periods, sometimes no periods, bloating, weight gain, obesity, moodiness, sluggishness, while the excessive male hormones she produces can cause oily skin, acne, sometimes hair on the chest and back, thinning hair on the head. The hormone-secreting cysts are themselves associated with insulin and blood sugar, and most people PCOS patients have oftentimes undiagnosed pre-diabetic signs. That means PCOS needs to be first treated as a sugar processing problem. And secondly, PCOS patients who usually have underlying digestive problems are going to want to look here too. PCOS patients should focus especially on fat malabsorption, gallbladder and liver health issues, as well as the health of the intestine. Vitamin C is helpful for all hormone health issues. And you want to make sure you're getting fatty vitamins too, especially vitamins E and A. Lecithin granules with fatty meals can support fat metabolism and it wouldn't be a bad idea to finish off all meals with a little apple cider vinegar which can stimulate the secretion of fat digestive enzymes from the pancreas. Probiotics can be helpful as can supplemental bile salts and digestive enzymes. Think zinc important for balancing hormones and selenium, which has a stabilizing effect on estrogen. Some women can get relief by using progesterone cream. Pharmacist Ben here urging you to go to kscohealth.com to order Beyond Tangy Tangerine, the Healthy Start Pack, and other nutritional supplements that I personally use and recommend. You can purchase these premium quality products at wholesale prices online at kscohealth.com. That's kscohealth.com. I'm the pharmacist that believes that staying healthy and strong is not only about medicine, it's about giving your body the raw materials it needs to do its work. Go to kscohealth.com. Make sure you check out the cool videos too at kscohealth.com. That's kscohealth.com. With today's political climate, sometimes you just want to hear normal people talk. That's what you're going to find aboard Flight 1080. Things that matter to you and your neighbor, your friends, your loved ones, and I'm sure we'll find something for your dog and cat. Check out the next edition of Flight 1080, Monday through Friday, 4 to 7 p.m., right here on your favorite radio station. Be sure to listen online at kseo.com, or you can download the app and listen on your smartphone. That's Flight 1080, Monday through Friday, 4 to 7 p.m. Be sure to join us. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and if you're just joining us, our guest today is the host of Special Report on Fox News and author of the riveting new book, Three Days in January, Mr. Brett Baer. As you know, Trump and the GOP leadership are committed to repealing the Affordable Care Act and many other legacy policies of the Obama administration. In many ways, the fight to make these changes is a fight over how history will look upon America's first black president. So from this perspective, would it serve the GOP to be selective and maybe proceed more gently? Well, Rebecca, I don't think they're they're thinking about that. I mean, I, I think they're thinking about what they. But do they need the to? Public. But you know, my question do is: Do they to? need well, to okay. think about that? Well, uh, I think that they're thinking about a rising tide raises all boats, and that uh, they're hoping that uh, they can get the economy moving quickly. And their prescription for that is going to get rid of what they call the onerous regulations on small business and businesses to change the tax code and to get rid of Obamacare that uh, former President Clinton called crazy for small businesses and obviously the Republicans campaigned on and won. I, I do think there's going to be some sensitivity to how that all happens uh, because you have 20 million people on uh, health care, having health care, health insurance that didn't have it before, and there has to be a plan in place to to make sure that people don't fall through the cracks. It's happening now, Rebecca, on Capitol Hill. The Senate passed uh, the vehicle by which it will move forward. The House is going to take it up uh, later this week. But as you point out, Kennedy did not agree with 
all that Eisenhower had done or even the uh, recommendations that he had made. But he certainly did not go in with this idea of I'm going to undo Eisenhower's uh, highway bill. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Um, I I I mean, that wasn't the going in attitude. Sure. Yeah. Well, you know, the highway bill passed with bipartisan support. Obamacare didn't have a single Republican vote for it. Uh, I think that there was not a lot of history of bipartisan um, action in the Obama administration. And because of that, and because he did a lot of executive orders that did not consult Congress, uh, there was a an animosity towards how that happened. And they campaigned on it, and they won. Uh, they not only won the presidency, but they won the Senate and the House in bigger numbers. I think that there is leverage even further for the administration coming in for Democrats who are up for re-election in red states uh, who have to look at um, if you're going to be obstructionist on everything, uh, how they're going to make the case for re-election in those states. Listen, I, I, I think that there will be a surprising amount of back-channel bipartisanship despite all of the uh, front of the House uh, back and forth, you know, Twitter and uh, J- Donald Trump calling Chuck Schumer the head clown. Uh, I know for a fact that they've been talking behind the scenes. So what you see in the front may be about stirring the base on both sides. And what mm-hmm. you see behind the scenes may be about getting things across the, the both of them can't take credit for. But turning back to Eisenhower, he was kind of a humble leader. He let other people take credit for it. Uh, what I found most surprising was that there were amazing things that happened. He got us out of the Korean War. We mentioned already the interstate highway system. He passed the first civil rights legislation since Reconstruction. There was a robust economy. Not a single, single soldier died in combat under President Eisenhower for his entire time. He put under God in the Pledge of Allegiance. In God We Trust was printed on our currency as our national motto. And he basically negotiated and dealt with a dangerous situation with then the Soviet Union. When you're going over those those key points that distinguished Eisenhower's uh, uh, presidency from all other presidencies, you use the word in your book, principled leadership. I, I really loved yeah. that. Uh, what do you mean by principled leadership? Well, I think it comes to how he dealt with things. He was a great listener. He welcomed dissenting views. Uh, he, like I said, let others take credit. He never attacked anyone personally. Uh, he focused kind of on the job, not the personalities. And I think that that came from his leadership that he learned as general. He dealt with some huge egos as general in World War II. Think about it. Bradley, um, Patton, MacArthur, uh, Montgomery, De Gaulle, all of these people and all of the allies he had to work together with to come up with the strategic plan of D-Day. And we go into this in the book. It formed who he was. I think growing up, he was a guy from the middle of the country, Abilene, Kansas. He was born in Denison, Texas, but he grew up in Abilene, Kansas. And there's a great story that we found that you know, he comes back from World War II. He's a victorious general. He's on all these ticker tape parades. One of them is in Abilene. And uh, he's going down the street waving and everyone's cheering. And someone turns to his mom, Ida, and says, oh, you must be so proud of your son. And she looks at them and says, which one? <laughs> they had six sons. So I think he, he grew up humble. <laughs> you know, it reminds me of Barbara Bush. When, uh, I remember watching an interview that she did with uh, Barbara Walters. And Barbara Walters asked the unthinkable question. She said, do you have a favorite son? And I, yes. I, I turned around. I was doing something, and I turned around and looked at the TV, and I thought, oh, no, don't answer. Don't answer. And she turned around, <laughs> and she said, I'm going to answer that, Barbara. And I thought, oh, this is not going to be good. And she said, whichever, she, this was her answer, whichever one needs me most. Oh, that's fantastic. I thought that was pretty fantastic. much the perfect answer. So principal leadership, Rebecca, I think, <laughs> I think it really goes back to also being transparent. This is one of the reasons I chose Eisenhower. He's the first television president. 
Before Eisenhower, no transcript of a news conference was put on the record. You could only paraphrase what the president said. Eisenhower said, that's ridiculous. Put it on the record. Then he said, you know what, you can record on TV and radio the news conferences. And then he was the first president to broadcast live a news conference. And it changed the way America viewed their president. Uh, And I think that he was all for transparency, even to the point where he had a heart attack in office. And he told his press secretary, Jim Haggerty, put out everything about my health. You can put it all out. And then he, we found a note to Jim Haggerty in about two weeks later. And it said, Jim, I meant what I said, but I could do without the updates on the bowel movements. <laughs> well, you know, just as he uh, he moved straight to television and, and was completely open with the media, uh, we now have a revolution in our new president in that he's going straight to Twitter. He's bypassing media and going straight to the public. So, uh, you know, uh, we'll see how that turns out. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah, it's a much different style. I know that you've got to leave us early to host your own program, but before we do uh, say goodbye, let me congratulate you on the success of Special Report and also your new book, uh, Three Days in January. It's it's a fantastic read. I hope our listeners will go out and get a copy of it. It certainly puts the current transition in uh, true perspective like no other book that I, I have uh, been able to read. And I appreciate you taking the time to research it and put it in a narrative form that is entertaining and uh, and very, very productive to read. Thank you for joining us today, Mr. Bear. I really appreciate the time. Thanks for having me. And uh, we are going to take our last break. And when we return, I am going to tell you what I think about the upcoming inauguration. Uh, it's just days away, and, it, and it's an important ceremony. And as we look forward to the swearing in of a new president and the stepping down of the Obama of President Obama and the Obama administration, it really signals something not only to the uh, the voters in America, but it also signals something very important to the rest of the world, particularly those countries aspiring to become true democracies. So stay tuned. I'll give you my opinion when we come back from the break. You're listening to the Costa Report. I owed the IRS $10,000. The IRS garnished my wages. They put a lien on my house. The IRS is the most powerful collection agency in the world. They do not give up until you pay. I couldn't sleep. We were being audited. I called Tax Solutions Now and a great big weight was lifted off my shoulders. I called Tax Solutions Now and they got the IRS off my back. Tax Solutions Now had my wage garnishment lifted in 48 hours. Tax Solutions Now can get you help. Our agents know the rules can stop the pain and get you the best deal. We connect you with a team of former IRS agents and tax professionals who will get the IRS off your back. We saved our home and overcame the most powerful collection agency in the world. Call Tax Solutions now. Time is running out. Call 800-987-0577. I'm here today with Scott Caraccioli of Caraccioli Cellars, recent winners of the best sparkling wine in the U.S. in the Champagne and Sparkling Wine World Championship. Congratulations, Scott. Thank you, Rebecca. Thanks for having me. So what is it about your Brute Cuvée that beat all the other competitors around the world? We really focus on creating an expression of the Santa Lucia Highlands and doing it the right way. And when you control the process from the beginning to the end and you have talent like Michelle and top-tier grapes, they really shine through. This was a worldwide competition. It was definitely a humbling experience. We were in a room with producers that have been making wine for over 100, 200 years and was a huge honor to have Tom Stevenson give us the best you Best Sparkling Wine Award. We fared really well overall. We had three wines win best of class, which was great. Visit the Caraccioli Tasting Room on Dolores Street in Carmel by the Sea, or find us online at caracciolicellars.com or reach us by phone 831 622 7722. 
The rains will fall, the winds will blow, and the power will go out. No problem, because PG&E will turn the power back on, right? Join me, Michael Olson, for a ride along deep into the woods above Boulder Creek with PG&E Troubleman Ralph Stormont. We'll brave the storm, track down the problem, and turn the power back on. Tune in, right around the storm, right now at ksco.com. Yes, ksco.com. Hi, this is Meg, a manager at the Loman Market, and the weather is starting to cool down. Now is a good time to fire up your crock pot and your Dutch oven and cook up some delicious, hearty comfort food. In the meat department, we have a variety of USDA choice roasts on sale, including tri-tips, chuck roast, sirloin tip, and cross ribs, and so much more. In the produce department, we have red potatoes, broccoli, tender asparagus, crisp beachy apples, so much more organic as well as conventional fruits and veggies. Come visit us on our website and see what else is on sale throughout the store. That's at benlomanmarket.com. Take a look at our Mill Street Catering Events website. Think about ordering your hams, your turkeys, your prime ribs, platters of appetizers, sandwiches, dips, party plates, whatever you want, we'll be more than happy to get together and make for you. So give us a chance and give us a call. Come see us. Take care of yourself, and I hope to see you soon. This is Meg, a manager at the Loman Market, and I hope to see you soon. Hi, this is Greg. Marlene and I host Flavors on KSCO 1080, Sundays noon to 2. This week on the coast, that means fishies, friends. We're going to talk about what you can catch off the coast and how to prepare it. The Paleo Diabetes Diet. Very important. We want to listen to that. Kathy Groom's going to be on and talk about food blogs. And our good friends from Simply Matters are coming back, so you'll want to stay tuned. Sundays noon to 2. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and my guest today was the anchor of Special Report, Mr. Brett Baer, who has a new book out which documents the great pains President Eisenhower, who, as you know, was a Republican and a military general, uh, went through to prepare his successor, John F. Kennedy. Eisenhower felt it was his duty to prepare a new generation of leaders for the dangers that lied ahead. And the tone of that relationship between the two leaders was set from the moment the newly elected Kennedy arrived at the White House to begin the transition. Kennedy arrived with no entourage, just himself. In turn, many of the important discussions which transpired between Eisenhower and Kennedy happened between just the two of them as Eisenhower uh, and uh, set Kennedy up for success and also the nation for success. When it came time to deliver his farewell speech, Eisenhower used the opportunity to forewarn millions of America's, Americans of the dangers which the new president and nation must safeguard against, which, of course, included the threat of undue influence from what Eisenhower called the military-industrial complex. It was important to counterbalance the information and also the recommendations offered by the U.S. military in a way so as not to engage in unnecessary conflict, unnecessary spending, or the assignment of new powers to the military. To this end, Eisenhower relied on a little-known group of experts and academics called the President's Advisory Council. Each month, Eisenhower flew the best and the brightest our country has to offer into Washington, from universities, businesses, laboratories, and elsewhere to educate himself and offer objective counsel from things ranging from uh, the danger of nuclear weapons and waste to the long-term economic consequences of continuous deficit spending. Eisenhower reached far beyond the politics of Washington to tap the smartest people in America. And what's more, they were never invited to stay more than a couple of days. And here's the kicker. No staff members were allowed in these meetings. This is how Eisenhower kept politics out of the room. It was just the president and the experts. 
It's interesting that President Kennedy saw wisdom in reaching outside the nation's capital, and he kept the president's advisory council in place. The fact is, Kennedy took advantage of many of the resources Eisenhower put in place. And it was this principled leadership which elevated both men above partisanship. It even allowed Kennedy to reach out to Eisenhower with ease, with no, with no hesitancy at all during the Cuban uh, Missile Crisis when the world stood on the brink of nuclear war. Well, it's too late to expect such a relationship between President Obama and President-elect Trump or the kind of nonpartisan transition which would put the good of the nation ahead of partisanship. But there is one thing Mr. Trump can do in the coming weeks to help his administration succeed from day one. We can have a normal, uneventful, matter-of-fact presidential inauguration. The world's eyes will be upon us especially countries which don't currently embrace the principles of democracy. And we must demonstrate that a smooth transition of power is smooth even when it isn't smooth. In this way, we signal other countries and our own citizenry that protocol triumphs over politics in America. Even when the incoming leader has vowed to undo the accomplishments of the previous leader, even when the outgoing president has advised members of his party not to fall in line with the commander-in-chief where they have serious and real differences. The inauguration ceremony is a symbol of how democracies hand power from one leader to another regardless of their differences. It's a symbol of the will of the voters. And to that end, we must hope for an uneventful, boring ceremony <laughs> where there is very little for the media to feast on the day after. Well, that about wraps up our first hour. If you have a question or a comment to make about our interview with Brett Baer, host of Special Report, or my editorial this week. You could email me at RebeccaCosta.com or drop me a note on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. We are all over the Internet, so there's no excuse for me not to hear from you. And I know you have opinions out there. <laughs> so email us, Facebook us, Twitter, tweet us. <laughs> Contact us on LinkedIn. And if you missed the full interview with Bear or any of our other guests, you can always download previous episodes of the Costa Report from Apple iTunes, Podbean, our YouTube channel, and also our website at RebeccaCosta.com. Easiest website to remember, it's MyName.com. Don't ask me how our producers were able to get that. I, I don't think they purchased it. I think they got on that quick enough that, uh, that we were able to seize that. Now... Before we take our break at the top of the hour, let me, let me take a minute to share a secret with you about how the Costa Report finds and hires the best talent in the business. You might be asking yourself that. Well, that secret is ZipRecruiter. It's a new year, which means a fresh start for your business. And a great year starts with making great hires. But these days, posting your job in one place isn't enough to find quality candidates. If you want to find the perfect hire, you need to post your job on all of the top job sites. And now you can with ZipRecruiter. You can jumpstart your hiring in 2017. Post your job to 200, I'm going to say it again, 200 plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all in a single click. Find candidates in any city or industry nationwide. Just post one time and watch your qualified candidates roll in to ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. No juggling emails. No calls to your office. You can quickly screen candidates. You can rate them and then hire the right person fast. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by over 1 million businesses. 1 million and right now, listeners of the Costa Report can post jobs on ZipRecruiter at no charge. 
absolutely free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash report. ZipRecruiter.com slash report. Remember that address to post your job opening at no charge, completely free to over 200 job sites. Visit ZipRecruiter.com slash report. ZipRecruiter.com slash report. One more time. ZipRecruiter.com slash report. And speaking of finding the right person for the job, Mark your calendars right now. My guest next week is the creator of the Dilbert comic strip, one of my favorite comic strips, and I don't get to read them nearly as much as I'd like to, but we have a lot of listeners that send me Dilbert. <laughs> and uh, you can't help but get a smile or a laugh when you see his uh, the, the kinds of things he goes through in the office. The creator of Dilbert, Scott Adams, will be with us. And Scott is an interesting fellow. He claims that a, quote, self-inflated sense of importance is an asset. Which begs the question, is narcissism underrated? I'm beginning to think so. (laughs) With this past election and also looking at uh, the kinds of uh, comments that fly out of the mouths of the heads of the biggest corporations in the world, you got to start asking yourself, maybe narcissism is is a positive trait in today's world. Maybe it's the key to success in business and life. Who knew? Who knew we'd be talking about this? Uh, again, uh, the head, uh, the uh, creator of the Dilbert comic strip, Scott Adams, will be with us next week. And uh, if you've ever heard Scott Adams talk, you'll know that uh, you're, we're going to get an earful of advice on how to succeed in business and life. Uh, join us again next week right here on the only news program that puts policy ahead of politics. Now stay tuned for another hour of Straight Talk Radio. You're listening to the Costa Report. again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america business channel for more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest please visit voiceamericabusiness.com the voice america talk radio network is the worldwide leader in live internet talk radio visit voiceamerica.com the views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the voice america talk radio network its staff and management.